That is awesome. Um, there's a couple of housekeeping things before we get started this morning. Um, I need to make a public apology um, to Russ. Um, not because I'm sorry, but because he's going to give me a hard time. When Russ, uh, he, if, if you weren't here, Russ started off this message series for us in Exodus by kind of giving us some background behind Exodus. And then we had a class just on Exodus, and in the first class of that as well, he spent all of his time in Genesis. And so I, because I'm a little bit sarcastic, gave him a hard time about the fact that he was supposed to be teaching Exodus, but he was actually teaching Genesis. Uh, and then last week, David, thank you so much. You did an incredible job, but, but, but you referenced Genesis. And the first thing Russ said when we got to life group was uh, something to the effect that, that David had, had taught out of Genesis. And so today, I'm going to refer to some passages in Genesis, and so I'm giving this false apology in advance to try to head off some of the scrutiny that I'm going to get when we get to life group tonight. Uh, but all of that is in jest. Um, I'm so appreciative um, of all of you that have spent time in this pulpit um, uh, helping me and, and being obedient to God to sharing this message that he's given for our body. Um, so I said all of that in jest, but, but in all seriousness, Russ, David, Glenn, um, thank you guys so much for joining me in, in preaching this sermon series. It has been a pleasure. And so um, today is going to be, I believe, our last message on the Ten Commandments. Um, I appreciated David showing me up last week. It's taken me one uh, Sunday each, or uh, one, one uh, commandment each Sunday, and David did six and one because he's an overachiever. Um, but, but he did a fantastic job. And if you missed that last week, please go back and listen to that podcast. I mean, really encouraging words. Um, from David last week, and I was, I was excited. We had some great conversation after life group, um, or during life group, about what God is doing in us. And so today, kind of as we get started, I just want to remind us uh, of why we're doing this. Our sermon series is Joining God to Set People Free, and so I don't want us to lose sight of that um, as we're looking at these Ten Commandments. Uh, and the, I want us to remember that the purpose of these, the, 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 the reason God gave these commandments is to restore the relationship that was broken by sin. Um, that is the goal, is that God is giving these commands to the people of Israel, to us as believers, as a way of restoring that relationship. And if we lose sight of that, we lose sight of the, the whole story, the whole grasp, or the whole um, scope of what God is trying to do. He's trying to reveal himself uh, and to, to Israel, but also to the people that live in proximity to Israel. He says over and over in these commandments that the purpose of this is so that we would be set apart, so that people, when they see our lives, they would see something different. And so today we're going to look at, at what it means to keep the Sabbath. And so I want to remind you as we dig into that to keep your grace lenses on. We're going to talk about working today. And if you're not paying attention, if you don't have your grace lenses on, you could leave out of here with a, a false idea that what God wants us to do is to just work really hard to please Him. And that is not the message that we have today from, from the Lord. So hang in there with me. Keep your grace lenses on. And, and make sure that you're, you're hearing all that, that the Lord has to say today. Um, I, was, I was telling Bethany last night, she's been nervous this week um, because my study time has just been different. I've had a lot going on. Um, and so she said last night, she's like, you always talk to me about all the stuff you're, you're going to talk about in your sermon. You haven't told me any of that this week. Um, and so it's just been a little bit weird. And I was telling her my goal today, um, I have spent a lot of time studying. Matter of fact, I've studied more this week than probably any other week because for me and understanding what it means to keep the Sabbath, I, I had to internalize a lot of things. Um, I had to think about what this means for me uh, because I had a false understanding of what it meant to keep the Sabbath. And so my goal today is for you and I both to walk away from here 
understanding better what God's intent was when he told us to keep the Sabbath and having a, a fuller understanding of what the Sabbath actually is, what it's for, and what we're supposed to do. Um, I want to stop right here and let you guys know that today's message is brought to you by Chick-fil-A, home of the Lord's Chicken, because you can't talk, I told Bethany last night, you can't talk about the Sabbath without talking about Chick-fil-A. Now, full disclaimer here, I know that we're in Louisiana and we're supposed to be Popeye's fans, right? Okay? Some people are shaking their heads, no. What? They sold out. They did sell out of chicken sandwiches. But let me just tell you, I'm not a Chick-fil-A fanboy, Okay? I actually do design work for Popeyes, okay? So don't, don't leave here today thinking that Will is only about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A does have some good things. They didn't, what is their thing? We didn't invent the chicken sandwich. What's the rest of that? Or, the, or do they say they did? I don't know. Popeyes made it better. It's so I've heard. I haven't tried it yet. But let's talk about Chick-fil-A for just a minute, okay? You, you have to admit that Chick-fil-A has done, um, whether you think it's a great job or not a great job, they have done the work of making... Sunday's the Sabbath, right? Because everybody knows what happens if you go to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. There's no line. It's the only day of the week at Chick-fil-A that there's no line. It's because they're not open because the founders of Chick-fil-A have been very clear about the fact that, that they believe that, that Sunday is the Sabbath and, and as our scripture is going to say today, that we're not to do work on the Sabbath. And so I, I just, as we're talking about the Sabbath, in my mind, when you talk about Sundays, immediately Chick-fil-A comes to mind because that's the only day that you can't get chicken from them. And it's a big deal in our culture. It's a big deal for people that that's the case, okay? Um, and I find it interesting that one of the reasons for keeping the Sabbath is to point others to God, and that's exactly what's happening. Because when you talk, like, there's the reason that people call it the Lord's chicken, Right? It's not just because it's good. It is good, but it's also because they, their company has this focus on, on being believers, right? And you also have to notice that their customer service is out of this world, right? Like, I was thinking last night as I was kind of putting the final touches on this, like, I'm not saying that all of the fast food restaurants were like King Burger and Bon Cui Cui would, would cut you if you had a complicated order. Some of you know that reference. Some of you are too young, okay? But... They certainly were not saying, it's my pleasure at McDonald's a couple of years ago, right? But now they do, and that makes me mad because they're just copying somebody else who did something really well. But, but here's my point. Chick-fil-A has done two things. One, they've said, this is the, the Sunday is going to be our Sabbath. We're not going to work, and we're not going to have our employees work. But also, we're going to go further than others go in how we treat others, which is kind of what David talked about last week. They have set themselves apart from the rest of the restaurant industry because of the way they treat their customers, right? Today, those things are what we're going to be talking about, okay? So, we're going to be done with Chick-fil-A now, all right? I'm done with my Chick-fil-A soapbox. But as we dig in today, I want to remind you again, put your grace lenses on, okay? Is everybody going to do that for me? Grace lenses on. All right, cool. So, we're going to talk about work today, but our goal, my goal, is not for us to leave here with a list of what is acceptable to do on a Sunday or a Sabbath and what's not acceptable. That's not the point of this command, and I don't want us to get bogged down in that, okay? My goal is for us to understand why we're called to have a Sabbath and what its purpose is in our lives, and for, for us, for our relationship with God, and for other people. So let's, today we're going to look at Exodus 20, and we're going we're gonna to read verses 8 through 11, okay? So let's jump in here. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock 
or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, the rest on, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let me turn off my Wi-Fi real quick. I don't know if you guys know this, but the Faith Life app, when Anna changes the slides, it'll also change them on your app. And it just moved my stuff. All right, we're good now. All right. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> it's not her fault. It's my fault. All right, so today we're going to look at, at several different passages. i got a lot of scripture in here today because there's several different reasons that God gives throughout the book of Exodus and then some others about what the Sabbath is about, why we, why we keep the Sabbath, why we observe it. And so uh, we're going to look at those reasons today. But the bottom line is, is that all of them are designed to point both us and others to God, Okay. The point of these commandments is to point us and others to God. So, point number one I want to make today is that keeping the Sabbath sets us apart from the rest of the world. Okay, as we've already talked about, Chick-fil-A has a reputation because of their observance of the Sabbath, which we in the United States and many other places recognize as Sunday. Okay, and we're going to talk about that later towards the end, but don't get hung up on the day, okay? And I find it interesting that one of the reasons for keeping the Sabbath is to point others to God, and that's exactly what's happening. Right? Chick-fil-A has this reputation because they're observing the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath is to point others to God, and people recognize Chick-fil-A as the Lord's chicken because they observe the Sabbath. It's almost like God designed things to work that way. And, and for us, our goal in all of this is that when others look at our lives, they go, wow, there's something incredible happening there. God is obviously in control of what they are doing. Okay? So... Let's look at Exodus 31, and we're going to read verses 12 through 17. This is a little, little different, same thing. This is at the end, right before they cross the Jordan, and Moses is going back through all of this with Israel because he's about to die. And so before, this is his last sermon, before he sends them into the promised land, he's going to give them this one last sermon. So he says a few different things in this, in this about the Sabbath. So let's look at that together. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Okay, so Moses, we've covered this already, says that one of the reasons that God made the Sabbath is for it to be a sign for others. And so immediately when I think about that, I ask myself a couple of questions. First of all, what is he trying to show others? If God is doing this to set apart, what is his goal? What is he trying to tell both the believers, both Israel and the people outside of them? The first thing he's revealing is his character. And he's doing that through the work ethic of his people. Okay? We're going to talk about work for a minute. Keep your grace lenses on. Okay? Because when I'm talking about work, I'm talking about our occupation. I'm talking about the things that God has called us to. Not us trying to work to gain something else. Okay? Uh, one of the commentaries I read that this week said the, com the command to stop work on the Sabbath means all of their work the, the week, for the week, excuse me, let me start over. The command to stop work on the Sabbath means all of their work for the week is also to 
be performed in six days rather than seven. Those who observe the Sabbath are not just responsible for resting on the seventh day, but for a diligent work ethic the remaining six days. In this way, the Sabbath is remembered continuously. How we work, our occupation, the thing that we do, whether that's being a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or a guy who designs Popeyes, another shameless Popeyes plug, okay? Whatever it is that we do, the way we work, how we work, how diligently we work, reveals God's character to those who are around us. But it's also a continual reminder for us of what God has done for us. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, the things that the Sabbath is pointing towards. The word that is used in this passage for labor means to work with intensity or to extend, uh, extend considerable energy. Look, it is a good thing. It is a godly thing to work hard and to go to bed tired. That reveals God's character. It's because we are made in the image of God and God did incredible work in creating us. And so the way we work and the things that we do and the things that we create reveal to people the truth about what God's character is. If We, we talked about over the last couple of Sundays that, that when we take on the name of the Lord, we are, I love the way David said it last week, he says it's like we take the name of the Lord with us. We take it and it goes with us. And so if we are calling ourselves believers and we are taking the name of the Lord with us, and then we're being lazy at work, is that making a great name for God? No, it's not. It's making him be worth less than he is. It, it went from, when, when we were, let me say this, Genesis 2 verse 15. Here you go, Russ. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now this is before the fall. God creates man and what's he do? He puts him in the garden for what purpose? To work. We are created to work. But we were created to work alongside God. After the fall, the nature of our work changed. You see, when we were created, God put us in the garden alongside himself. And we were to work with him in that relationship, enjoying that relationship. And I know you guys have heard the saying before, that if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right? You've heard that? And for a lot of, in a lot of ways, that's true. In a lot of ways. But th this is where that comes from. We were created to work alongside God. And when we're working alongside of God, it is incredible. It's blissful. It doesn't feel like work because we're doing it with Him. But when sin happened, it went from working with God in care of the garden. When it was broken by sin, it, it turned into hard, sweat-filled labor that causes weariness. Because we're separated from God. God created the Sabbath so that we could find rest for both the body and the soul and so that we could be refreshed and we could be reminded of what is to come. You see, God worked six days and he took a day off. And God has given us six days in which to work really hard, to work really diligently. And then he gives us a whole day of the week to take that, that day and commit it to him, to take a day off from our labor. Look, tiredness is what makes rest so sweet. If you work hard all week long, or you work hard all day long, nothing feels better than laying down in the bed, right? You hit that mattress and you're just like, oh, finally. And that's what the Sabbath is supposed to feel like. We work hard all week long, and when we make it to our Sabbath, which for us is Sunday, we go, Whew, that was a great week. And I'll have to be honest, one of my struggles for me personally was that a lot of times I make 
and, and it's been much easier in, in this church, but in a lot of churches that I worked in previously, my idea of, of the Sabbath was just a day to go to church, and if I'm honest, I did not enjoy it. It was not restful, and I did not feel renewed. And so that's the mind, mindset that I approach this, this scripture with. And so as I'm beginning to study this, for me, the Sabbath, what, what is ingrained in my mind is not something that's restful. And so I'm asking myself, God, is, is there something that I need to reorient in my life to, to gain a Sabbath? And what he showed me as I've, as I've walked through this for the last couple of weeks is that this is my Sabbath, and I am rested, and I am renewed. We often, I get home on Sunday nights and go, man, that was an incredible day. We had some great conversation. We enjoyed some people. We enjoyed the Lord. We learned some things. We got to worship, and it was good. God's intent for the day of rest is to be a physical reminder of what he has done in creating us and rescuing us and redeeming us. And he's done that for the sake of our relationship with him. The second thing that he's showing is that our sanctification comes from him, not our works. Let's think about that for a moment. He is showing that our sanctification comes from him, not our works. What is the consistent message that we hear in our cultural Christianity? The consistent message is, is that we work really hard for God and we do things in order to please Him so that we can earn our way into heaven. And that is not truth. We understand that our, our ability to go to heaven is completely based on the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is what sanctifies us. God is taking that idea that we can work hard to earn ourselves. And he is attacking it in, in verse 13 of, of chapter 31. He says, above all, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout generations. That you may know, so that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Isn't it interesting that when we try to earn our salvation, we try to do it through working? And God says, let me sanctify you by you resting. I don't know about you, but that's a good word for me. We try to earn our salvation by working, and God says, let me give it to you while you rest. We were created to work, and now because of sin, we're required to. But it was never God's intent or requirement that we work to earn something from him. That was not why we were created. We were created to have a relationship with him. I can tell you from my childhood growing up, some of my fondest memories is working alongside my father. One of my favorite things to do in the whole world is to cut firewood, to split it by hand. And if you've ever done that, you know that it is incredibly hard work. And I love it. Because we were created for that. Because we were doing that in a positive relationship, in a way that honored one another and it honored God. That is what we're created for. We understand grace and we know that God is pleased with us through Christ, but not our work, right? But most of the community around us does not understand that. And so part of the way that we join God to set people free is by when we work diligently and then we take the Sabbath off and we enjoy that day. And we allow the Lord to renew us and restore us so we're ready for the next week. That is communicating to people something different than culture does. Because culture says work hard every day of the week so you can please God and earn your way into heaven. And that's not what scripture teaches. And in the commandments, God doesn't speak that. He says, you take the day off and allow me to sanctify you. 
We're going to talk about when I say take the day off, what I mean by that in just a few minutes, okay? I don't want to get that twisted, okay? But I want us to understand we are not working for our salvation. We are not relying on our own ability to work hard in order to provide something for ourselves. All of that work is done by the Holy Spirit, okay? And I know that there are plenty of people in this room that can tell stories of interactions that they've had with others when they realize that they are no longer trying to earn their salvation, I have stories where I've had conversations with people and they go, wait, what, wait, hold on. You mean oh, I don't have to earn this? I don't have to do anything for it? No, that's the grace of God. Glenn was telling me this morning, I asked him how his trip to Chicago was, and he said, man, we explain the grace of God, and people just go, oh, my gosh. They can't believe it because what we've been taught over and over and over by culture is you work really hard and you earn your salvation, and that's not what Scripture says, and that's not what the Sabbath is about, Okay? People have a hard time believing because of what we've grown up with, okay? Working hard so we can get to heaven is the exact opposite of what God is saying. He is commanding that we take the day of rest and that by doing so, it's going to show the world that he is the one that's sanctifying him. When we try to earn our salvation, we are spreading untruths about God. But when we choose to keep the Sabbath, we are choosing in faith to trust God to take care of the things that we cannot do for ourselves. We are trusting him to provide for our needs by setting aside an entire day. And God's intent for that is not for it to be a day of inactivity, okay? That's not what God means by the Sabbath. But as a day that is set aside to engage him. And through the activity of that relationship, we're going to come to know God in a new way and we're going to learn to trust him. So point number two is that keeping the Sabbath teaches us to trust God. Look, one of the things in our culture that we excel at is worrying, right? We are good at worrying about stuff. And if we're honest, there is no lack of things in our life in which we can worry about. We can worry about our finances, we can worry about our health, we can worry about our kids, we can worry about our jobs. The list can go on and on and on, right? And it's very tempting, it's very tempting because of the culture that we live in to say, well, my employer gives me off two days a week. One of those days, I'm going to go fishing, and the other day, I'm going to catch up on all the work that I need to do for the next week, or pick up on the stuff that I didn't finish from last week, right? We fill our Sabbath with things that are left undone. Look at Exodus 34, verses 21. It says, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. Okay, when you think about the culture that this was written to, it makes sense that God would use these agricultural examples, right? But we don't live in that kind of culture anymore. We don't think like agriculturalists. Most of the people in this room, um, when, you, when you need groceries, what do you do? You go to Kroger's or Albertson's or Walmart or wherever, and you buy what you need, and you bring it home and you eat it. There's some of us in this room that grew up on farms, and we know where food comes from. And we know that when you're living on a farm, when it says in plow time and harvest, both of those things are time critical, Right? There's a time when you plant and there's a time when you harvest. For me, growing up on the farm, one of the things that we grew a lot of was hay. Now, you don't plant hay. It naturally occurs. That's grass, right, that gets tall and then you cut it. But it is still time critical. When you cut that hay, there's only a certain amount of time that you have in order to get that hay out of the field. If you don't, a couple of things are going to happen. One, if it rains, you've got to get it up before the rains. If it rains, it's going to mold and it's not going to be good for your animals. Okay? If you leave it out too long and it doesn't rain, it kills the grass underneath it right? 
or the sun can bleach out, can leach out all the nutrients that your animals need when they consume that hay, and so your hay no longer has any quality, right? So agricultural harvest, planting, all those things are time critical. So think about this. God is saying through this verse that even in those time critical periods of your life, right? For those, if they didn't plant and they didn't harvest, they didn't eat, right? That's how that works. God's saying even during those times, take the Sabbath. So what is that telling us? What is God trying to communicate? He's saying that for Israel and for us, even in the times of planting and harvest, we're supposed to keep the Sabbath. He's saying that even the things that keep us alive are not more important than keeping the Sabbath. This is a big deal. God even says in, in both Exodus 20 and Exodus uh, 31, he, he says if, if you don't keep the Sabbath, if someone doesn't keep the Sabbath, what are they supposed to do? Kill them. That's a big deal. Have you ever been so required to take a day off that someone will kill you if you don't? Like, I kind of wish that would happen for me, okay? But look, look, here's the deal. This is, this is huge. And here is our cultural tendency, right? Our cultural tendency is to be like, you look at the Big Ten, you're like, don't kill people, take a day off. Okay, this one's way bigger deal. Like, I'm not going to kill anybody. You're like, God, don't worry about that one. But to take the day, don't take a day off, like, eh, it's not that big a deal. God doesn't care. Really? Kind of seems like a big deal if, you're, if it's worth your, your life. Right? And God is saying through this passage in Exodus 34 that even the things that keep us alive are not more important than the Sabbath. Because here's what happens. If we can trust God in these areas of our lives, God is going to be the one that provides it. Okay? The excuse of if I don't do this, I'm not going to be able to live like in their minds. If I don't harvest right now, I'm going to die. That's not valid anymore when the penalty for, for breaking the commandment is death, right? Because if you break the commandment, you're going to die. So what are your options? Trust God, okay? All right, so let me, let me say this, okay? Are we to ignore the things, the need to do things in a timely manner? That's the question. Do we need to ignore things that need to be done in a timely manner? course not absolutely not it means that we work diligently all week just as God commands and we also trust God to take care of the things that we can't get done there's two things that happen there we work hard all week long and there are going to be times where you work your tail off all week long and all the things don't get done okay we all know that in the course of trying to accomplish something stuff goes wrong I'll give you a great example from yesterday I had a to-do list that was about this long of things that I needed to get done yesterday. And guess what? They didn't all get done. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, okay? Because here's what, here, let me just, I'll give you the example. We were talking about hay earlier, right? My dad bailed some hay. It's in the field. He bailed it for us to feed our horses. Free hay. Hay is usually expensive if you have to go buy it. He said, hey, Will, while I'm gone this weekend, I need to go get the track and get the hay out of the field and put it in the barns for the horses fantastic okay but because I had this huge to-do list of things some of which a lot of which were my fault because I it was things that I have not taken care of in the past that I'm now having to clean up as a result okay I had a lot to do yesterday and so I'm rushing 
And in the middle of rushing to try to load the hay, I broke the jack off the hay trailer, which meant I had to go back to the farm, get a different jack, jack the trailer, because of course it's full of hay when I did that, not when it's empty and you can pick it up by hand, okay? Stuff went wrong, okay? I started at 8 a.m. yesterday, and I stopped at 11.30 last night. Look, there's going to be times where stuff just happens. And we have to be in our place with our faith in God where we can just trust Him that even though I didn't get all the things checked off on my list yesterday, it's okay. It's okay. Stuff happens. But the trap that we fall into is, is to look at these things, right? To look at this point and try to define what's permissible and what isn't, right? So Jesus gives an example later on we're going to look at where it is okay to do some stuff on Sundays. And so what we try to do is we try to justify in our minds what's okay and what's not okay, and we end up becoming pretty pharisaical. Look at me with it, Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. It says, Now he, Jesus, is he, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had, had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from this disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which we work, which ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites. I love it. Do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things, um, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. The Pharisees fell right into the trap. They were focusing on what was allowed and what wasn't allowed, rather than the intent of the commandment. They were focusing on, well, you can do this, and this is acceptable, and this is acceptable, but beyond this line, like, don't do these things. And they made the commandment out to be something that it was never intended to be. And, and if we're honest, that's the culture that we find ourselves in. And if we're honest, we do the same thing. We look at our to-do list and we go, well, God probably would be okay with this, this, and this, but not this, this, and this. And we're missing the point. The intent is that we spend the day focused on God and allowing the time that we spend with Him to bring rest and renewal. There are going to be days when things come up when, that we just have to deal with. Jesus uses the example in Luke chapter 14 of an ox or a child falling into the ditch, right? And if they fall in the ditch, you've got to get them out. You can't just go to your child and be like, I know you fell in that hole, but it's the Sabbath. I'll see you tomorrow, right? No, we go get our child out of the hole. That's how, that's how life works. Or ends, possibly. I'll give you a minute. All right, good. There are things in life that have to be dealt with because if we don't, things could end badly, okay? However, if that's something that has to be dealt with is because we didn't do it when we were supposed to, we're breaking the commandment. See, that diligently working during the six days is really important for the Sabbath because it, it prepares us to be ready for it. It's also worth mentioning that the day that you keep the Sabbath is not necessarily important, okay? Scripture doesn't say Sunday, okay? Used to be Saturday, but all of us know we live in a different time, right? And some of us have to work shift work. If you have to work shift work, 
you get two days off a week, one of those needs to be your Sabbath. And I'm not going to tell you which day that needs to be. That's between you and God. But we need a Sabbath, okay? If your work schedule mandates that your Sabbath is on Tuesday, that's fine. But you better make sure that Tuesday is your Sabbath. Not because Will said so, but because you need it. And, it, and honestly, who does not appreciate a day to just go, Phew. right? We need that. Keeping the Sabbath reminds us of what matters. This is my last point. Keeping the Sabbath reminds us of what matters. We spend all week toiling at, in, at the endless list of responsibilities that we all have, but God uses the Sabbath to remind us that those things are not all that matter in life. God made the Sabbath for us. He calls us to set it apart in our week to give us a day to focus on Him, which causes us to see what is important. We always need that day to pause, to reflect on what's going on in our lives and reprioritize things. I, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times where I get all worked up and stressed out about something, and if I just take a moment and step back and see it from a distance, let God speak to that, I realize this is really not that big a deal. I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, and I need to just chill out for a minute. But if we don't take the opportunity to put those things before God to just take a day. Now, we are all, right, we understand that daily we're supposed to be before the Lord, right? And, and I know that a lot of us in this room struggle with that, like making that happen within the busyness of our day. But isn't it comforting to know that once a week God set an entire day aside for that? Right? We have a whole day to just say, hey, God, I need you to speak into these things that are in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty convinced that I spent most of my life wasting my Sabbath because I had a bad understanding of what it was about. I thought it was just a day that you go to church and then do whatever. In verse 17 of Exodus 31, it says this, In six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. If God can benefit from taking a day off, we can benefit from taking a day off. We need to understand that what we'll gain from that day of being refreshed by God is far more valuable than anything we could ever accomplish on that day. Because of sin, we have to toil. But God has set apart one day a week for us to rest from that work so that we can know Him and that He can remind us of how He intended for things to be. Look at Genesis three seventeen through 19. And He said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten... Of, of the tree which I, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Having to work in pain, air quotes, is not what we, what we were created for. But it is the result of our rebellion. And it's the place that we find ourselves. When we try to make the Sabbath another work day, we're going right back into that rebellion. We're picking that fruit off the tree and we're saying, hey God, I know you gave me a good gift, but I don't really want it. We're telling God that the things that we have determined to be important are far better for us than the things that he created us for. I had somebody half-jokingly, half-serious tell me last week that they didn't want me to preach this. They wanted me to skip this commandment because they didn't want me to mess up their Sundays. 
I'm not going to say any names. I'm tempted. I'm not going to do it. Look, Sunday's not a catch-all or a catch-up day. It's a gift. God has taken one day a week. He set it aside and said, I'm giving you this day to spend with me. Rest and be renewed. And just for the sake of clarity, sometimes that means taking a nap. Right? All right. As we've walked through all these commandments, I hope, I hope that you've seen them in a different light. We've hit all ten. And my goal from the beginning has been to look at what God is trying to accomplish in his people to restore that relationship. And I'm hoping that you have seen that. I hope that you have moved from it feeling like a to-do list to it feeling like a love letter. Where God is saying, look at the things that I have done for you. God gave these commandments to draw us in. To show us how incredible it can be to be in his presence. And to prepare us for that day when he returns and we are in that presence every day. He's given these commandments to restore our relationship. Our call in joining God to set people free is to live out these commandments, not as a checklist, but as a love letter in front of the people that God has called us to. That's one of the ways we set people free. Is we show them the truth about who God is by living in a way that we are set apart from everyone else because of the love that is in our life. I love, love, love that last week David brought in the great commandment where someone asked Jesus the Pharisees are trying to trick him and they said what's the greatest commandment and he said the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart your mind and your soul and the second is like it or equal to it to love your neighbor as yourself that's like the best summary closing you could possibly have right for this whole study of, of or mini series of the Ten Commandments at the end of the day God's call for us the way we help set people free as we join him is by loving God with everything that we have and loving people like we love ourselves. We were created to love God and to love people. And as God's people, that is, has to be the top priority in our lives, loving Him and loving people. If we make anything else more important than those things, we are choosing to listen to the lie of Satan and take that forbidden fruit. Let's love God and love people. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you for the challenges that you've put in my life this, this last couple of weeks to consider what it means to, to keep the Sabbath. God, I am so grateful for a day of rest, a day with my family here to get to just love you and enjoy your presence. God, I ask that as, as we are all individually challenged by this word today, God, that you would remind us that the purpose of that day is to be renewed by you. And that we wouldn't be stressed out by the things that are left to be done. But God, that we could trust you to know that you're going to take care of what we cannot do. God, it's our goal that as we live these commandments out in front of people, not because we have to, but because we can't help it because of how in love we are, that people would see the truth about who you are. That that would spark conversations where we could share the beauty of your grace and the gift that you have given us. Father, help us to live in a way that sets us apart through your power, not our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.